Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Very warm welcome to the Headliner Radio podcast. Today I'm speaking to monitor engineer Jim Roach, who's worked with a range of artists, including Guns N' Roses, Joe Cocker, Keisha Cole, Justin Bieber, Janet Jackson, and many more. Uh, Jim, how's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's going very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, as I just mentioned off the call, it's uh, it's a sunny day here in London, so uh, which makes a nice change, so I can't really complain. Um, whereabouts are you joining us from today? I'm in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at home. Oh, nice. Nice. Have you, uh, have you been there for a while? Have you been based there kind of throughout the pandemic? Have you been, I guess you've not been doing much moving around as you, as you normally would? Uh, you know, I spent about eight months home the first eight months of the pandemic. And surprisingly, since November, I've been incredibly busy. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, I've been in Philadelphia, born and raised. Cool. Cool, man. Um, I mean, that's good that you've been, you've been busy the last few months. It's, you know, it's been a struggle for, for a lot of guys and girls, uh, especially in, in the, on the music side, um, with, you know, the live industry just kind of, you know, nosediving. Um, it must have been a strange time for you at first when the, when the pandemic first happened. How would you, how, what was kind of your initial reaction to, you know, all, all gigs and tours being cancelled? I mean, it was a bit of a surprise and a shock, as I'm sure it was to everyone. Yeah, of course, yeah. And at first it was questionable. You know, we thought we were coming home for a few weeks. I was, I happened to have been in LA in rehearsals mm-hmm. with Justin Bieber gearing up for a two year tour cycle. Yeah, jeez. And uh, then all of a sudden to find yourself home. But I, I got to be honest, it was, it was great. I fortunately was in a position where I felt comfortable for a while anyway. And uh, yeah, yeah. it was just nice to be home for a summer. I haven't been home in the summer in 15 years. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so just nice to be at home spending a bit of quality time, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, nice, man, nice. Now, and, and what have you been doing to stay productive and, and keep yourself busy over the last few months? What kind of what kind of work have you had going on? Uh, so I've been back in L.A. mostly with Justin Bieber since okay, November. Cool doing a variety of shows uh we've done a couple award shows some tv some album promo a lot of live stream video recording type stuff mm-hmm. new year's eve we did a live stream for t-mobile on the roof of a hotel nice. and that was a full show so that was kind of nice cool man yeah oh nice nice so mostly with justin or have you have you had a few bits and pieces here and there uh no it's all all been with justin cool unfortunately nobody else has geared up to do anything just yet i mean yeah i mean he's one of the biggest stars in in the kind of pop world isn't he so it's it's nice that um i imagine he's got a huge team around him so you're getting you know a bit of uh time to socialize with with other people um which i guess would be would be quite nice having spent a little bit of time at home yeah uh, i mean to some degree it's a bit of a skeleton crew out there Sure, uh, sure. There's probably only 20 of us total, okay, including the band members. Uh, we get COVID tested every day. We were, we're mm-hmm. six times a week, I should say, at a minimum. Wow. So it was, it was nice to be around some people you know are COVID-free, and we feel comfortable around each other. Yeah. Still yeah. wearing masks as, as required, but yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. No, it's good that things are kind of s- slowly starting to return to a bit of normality, even though you know there's a lot of safety precautions in place, and that, of course. Um, but yeah, that's that's cool, man. That's cool. So, Jim, when did you first start mixing monitors? I'm, I'm going back now, obviously, um, and, and we'll come back to to present day in a moment. But I'm just curious to know when you first um, 
sort of realised that you wanted to to work in in music? Uh, you know, in in high school, I was pretty well set. I was a musician. I was planning on going to school as a musician, and decided kind of last minute that I was never going to make a living mm. if I didn't teach. Sure, and sure. just knowing I didn't want to teach, I decided that I don't think music is going to be the way to go. <laughs> and I kind of done sound and messed around with sound in a variety of different ways back then and decided I wanted to try the, the sound route. Yeah. And I took a job. I got myself a job at a local audio company okay. uh, a week out of high school. And uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. Cool. Cool. And, and which company is that, Jim? It's a small regional company in Philly called Clear Sound. Okay. Cool. Worked there for six years doing a variety of things, everything from prepping rental systems to doing productions to I did a few years a uh, systems installer. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Cool. And when was like I mean a week out of out of college or out of school, sorry, you you started working there. But when was the I don't know, maybe there wasn't a moment, but did you feel like there was ever a a kind of breakthrough moment for you in um in your in your early career sort of which kind of opened a lot of doors for you in terms of like you know connecting with some of these big name artists uh you know i mean i spent about six years at that company and had met quite a few people philly has uh quite a few good audio engineers yeah. in the touring world that have come from here okay. one, one of whom was a good friend of mine i met while i was working at that audio company and uh after I left there, he called me and said, uh, hey, you available this weekend? And do you have a passport? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm available. I have a passport. He hmm. said, okay, you're going to come do this show with me in the Bahamas. Oh, wow. I didn't think any more of it. The tour manager called me. We worked out the details. I still didn't know who I was going to work for. <laughs> so I got on the got on the plane and it's didn't exciting. figure it out, honestly, till we got there. Yeah. Uh, we were going to do a one-off with Brian McKnight. Oh, wow, okay. And I spent a year and a half with him after that. <laughs> and the so, rest is history as far as a breakthrough moment i guess that was it i just you know a friend called and needed a monitor guy and i was available yeah yeah funny how, funny and how it happens that, sometimes isn't it yeah. yeah that was the beginning of my touring career nice man nice that's cool so i mean i'm just curious to know jim what uh also what kind of music you were into growing up um and do you think i don't know do you feel like it's had a kind of i mean i, I guess you as a as an engineer um, working in live sound, you take any gig that you can get at the beginning, right? But do you think that, you know, the kind of music you were listening to growing up had a sort of subconscious impact on the kind of gigs that, that you've landed in your professional career? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that it had much of an impact. Uh, it's probably helped me in a way because growing up, I listened to a variety of things. I listened to just about anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, literally everything from classical to jazz to rock, mm-hmm. punk. I listened to a lot of different music and I feel like that's helped me in a way. Mm. You know, you can appreciate whatever type of genre I work in and my resume can kind of speak for itself. I've done a variety of things. Absolutely. Smooth jazz, R&B, rock. Mm-hmm. So I feel fortunate that I've been able to do a lot of different types of music. Yeah, yeah. And I guess having that eclectic taste uh, positions you quite well for knowing what to listen for in these live shows and, and knowing how to to kind of gauge the room and gauge what the artist wants from the live show and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, and there's obviously different approaches to different styles of music, which I'm fortunate that I learned early on my days at that 
little audio company. Mm -hmm. I got to do a variety of different shows. Um, I did a lot of jazz, actually, at the University of Pennsylvania, and that was invaluable. And mixing a jazz gig, the way you approach miking a jazz gig is drastically different than a rock or an R&B gig. Mm. So fortunate that I learned a lot there. Yeah, cool, man. Cool. And uh, while we're kind of on on that uh, subject, um, I'm just curious to know what your your approach is, Jim, um, when setting up monitors for a gig. Obviously, it must depend. Uh, it must vary depending on what kind of artist you're working with, of course, what kind of venue. Um, but have you got like a general approach for you know miking and, and setting up monitors? You know, setting up the room for um, for when you're doing a live show. Um, kind of, I mean, I have the, my methods that I kind of fall back on, but that doesn't mean to say they don't change. Yeah, of course. I approach most gigs the same, especially mixing monitors. And I typically these days only really mix in ears. There might be a couple wedge mixes here and there, but Mm -hmm. I haven't done a full on wedge act in a very long time. Okay. Um, I, I approach everything pretty simplistic at the start pick microphones that i know and we get in there and if we have the luxury and the time to try a bunch of other things we'll try different mics till we find the right one Mm. um and i honestly have a minimalist approach i eq things as little as possible i start with zero automation Mm -hmm. if uh if a keyboard's too loud on a certain section of a song or a certain song then we work on that keyboard patch sure i figure we take the time of rehearsals to get the instrumentation right and get it right from the source and then the front of house guy will have less headache to deal with mm-hmm. get okay. the band to kind of mix themselves if you will yeah 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 so are you using you're on digico desks right i am on digico desks do you find you've got uh you know enough ins and outs to get everything you need done on those desks i mean they're pretty i don't know what you're using at the moment an SD, I would imagine. Um, I'm currently on an SD7 Quantum. Nice, nice. Uh, I love it. <laughs> it's obviously my console of choice, and I, I've used Digico SD series consoles on almost everything for the sure. better part of the last decade. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I honestly don't feel there's any restriction with them. They're the most flexible console I've found to date. Mm. So I don't, I don't feel restricted by channel count or bus count or bus structure. I can kind of set up the desk however I feel. Yeah, yeah. If I need to change, which happens often in early rehearsals, things change frequently and you need to adapt so I can add more auxes if I need to or add more inputs. I'm never really worried about running out of inputs. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And I guess having used the, the SD series for quite a while, your workflow has been uh, kind of streamlined down to a T, I guess. I guess you know your way around the desks pretty well. Yeah, I, I do know my way around the desk. I feel incredibly comfortable in front of one, mm. especially one that with a session that I've created. It's yeah, a little course. different when you're taking over someone else's session. Yeah, but. yeah. All right, cool, man. Cool. And uh, you mentioned that uh, you've only been doing in-ear mixes or mostly in-ear mixes uh, recently. Um, and I know you're a JH Audio user. Um, just curious to know how long you've been using their in-ears. I've been using JH since uh, around about 2011, I want to say. Okay. I did a short stint covering for uh, the Modern Engineer on Janet Jackson in 2011. They were all on JH. Sure. Then immediately following that went right into Guns N' Roses, which was also JH. Hmm. Yeah. Was it a bit of a game changer for you, like st- like 
coming into a show where um, everything was all mixed in ears, uh, was it was it quite refreshing for you to to work in a different way? I know obviously you've been doing it for a while now, but um, was it like a bit bit of a game changer in that sense? I mean, I actually started mixing in ears a lot lot earlier than that. It was just on another product, got yeah, another manufacturer's ears. Um, I, I, there isn't too much of a change going to JH to be honest. Mm. My favorite part about JH is the the service and the turnaround, the attention that you get. Sure. Um, you know, attention as far as repairs and service, or if you need anything, if you need a pair of ears quickly, they can turn around quicker than any other company I've ever worked with, which yeah. is yeah. really helpful, no matter where you are in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that's got to be um, nice knowing that you know, if if anything ever goes wrong, uh, those guys can just just help you out and. Um, and you can you know get back to it, which is cool. Um, yep. What else do you like about them, Jim? I know they obviously it might seem obvious. Um, you know, you less wedges on stage, you're reducing the sound on stage. Um, everything's a little bit uh, more clear and uh, and concise in the IEMs. But uh, yeah, what kind of things do you do you find that they? What kind of advantages do they bring to your whole kind of workflow when you're when you're in full swing? Uh, I mean, to be honest, the consistency from day to day, no matter what kind of venue you're in, obviously the venue acoustics do change from day to day, and that, that'll change things even when you're wearing in-ears. Sure. But that notwithstanding, everything else is incredibly consistent for the musicians, for the guys on stage. You know, wedges are, uh, it's a bit of a different thing. You can have a consistent wedge mix, but the room acoustics are going to play a much bigger part. Sure. Uh, I mean, honestly, my favorite part is somewhat selfish, but, I don't have to turn a cue edge up loud enough to hear it, so I don't have a headache at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's. That, I mean, that makes complete sense. It's just less uh, less noise on stage, and yeah, <laughs> less headache at the end of the night. Um, is there any artists that you've worked with, Jim, that have um, particularly liked, you know, using the IEMs? If you know, if there's like a lot of instruments on stage, or they want to hear the whole band, or something like that. Uh, I mean, they they pretty much all do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I haven't found anyone that's more comfortable on wedges in a while. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you see a bit of a trend? I, I imagine you would see things kind of all going that way. Can you imagine, would you imagine that at some point, you know, stage wedges um, are just going to be kind of redundant or or are they always going to be in use, do you think? You know, I think there are certain situations that could demand there actually be a speaker nearby. Yeah, yeah. Um, for instance, with Bieber at the moment, my bass player has a wedge, uh, okay. and it it's kind of a glorified key bass amplifier because that's the only <laughs> thing that's in it. But he can't really get the sound that, or the feeling he's looking for just out of in-ears. He needs some air moving around him. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my DJ also has a wedge just because he likes the feeling of a wedge near him. Yeah. So there, there's certain instances where wedges are necessary, but I've certainly done tours where there's not a single wedge on stage. That's yeah, interesting. It's interesting, man. Do you find, um, so when, like, for example, on on uh, the recent Bieber stuff that you've been doing, uh, is everyone using JH or is it just yourself? Because obviously it's personal preference um, at the end of the day, but is kind of like the whole team using the same the same IEMs across the board for that consistency. 
everyone on stage is on J.H. Uh, Roxanne's, with the exception of the dancers. The dancers are also on ears, but they're on a much less expensive earpiece since okay. there's so many of them. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Is there any scenarios that you can recall, Jim, um, where IEMs, you're, you know, your you're, you're in-ears have just kind of not saved the day, but like they've been really um, just you know, you couldn't have done without them on that particular show or that particular tour. Um, yeah. Anything you can kind of recall. I mean, any kind of a random one-off in a, on an Island somewhere, I can think of a few festivals, jazz festivals and whatnot mm. I've done in various places where the gear is subpar and the wedges alone wouldn't have cut it for the day. But the fact that we had in ears could offer that consistency. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah, that's cool, man. Have you, um, and I mean, while I'm on that note, is there any, is there any particular tours or gigs from the last few years that, um, particularly memorable for you for, for whatever reason that kind of stick out in your mind as being, um, kind of favorite projects that you've worked on? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I can't really say that I could pick out one over the other. Must be hard. But before Bieber the last year, I've I, pretty much the last five years or so, I did Janet Jackson. Sure. And uh, Janet's just such a sweetheart and amazing to work for. Mm. So that was such a great time out there. It's pretty much a family vibe. Yeah. A bunch of people that have been together a long time. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I mean, I've had great times on a lot of the tours I've done, to be honest. There's only one or two that were weren't too weren't too favorable any particular reason i won't or, say who or, yeah i was gonna say yeah it's probably not best if you uh if you say who but no that's cool that's cool um yeah what's it like mixing for 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 janet jackson i mean five years on the trot um working with her you must have built up quite a nice kind of rapport with her team it must be quite nice yeah, I mean, uh, her gig, like many of the other larger A-list gigs out there, they're staffed full of professionals with people that know what they know what I'm doing, they know what they need, they know what they want. Sure. So it's it's a pleasure, to be honest. Yeah. Janet's one of the most amazing I've had to work with. She knows exactly what she wants, and she knows her music mm. better than almost anybody else I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So if she's, if she's looking for something, she knows exactly what part it was. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. All right, cool. Um, I mean, what else have you got planned, Jim? Uh, I know you're at home at the moment, but are you going to be in LA again soon? Uh, what's kind of, I mean, I mean, there might be some things that you might not be able to talk about for, for whatever reason, but what's kind of uh, in the pipeline for you this year? Uh, probably some more Bieber stuff. At the moment, I'm home for another week and a half or so, and then we're back to LA for a couple of days of rehearsal. Mm. And then there is an actual gig scheduled. I think it's on the 17th of April. Bieber's got a gig scheduled in Atlanta. We're going to go do okay. that. Nice. After that, I don't honestly know what's coming. I think some time off. <laughs> some which, much needed uh, time off, I would imagine. Yeah. Surprisingly, I won't, I won't argue at this point in time, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. We've gone pretty hard for the last four months, as strange it is, as it is in this pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, and then it's uh, and then I think we sit back and kind of wait until touring can resume again. You must be uh, quite looking forward to that moment, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd love to get back to touring. Things to be somewhat 
some semblance of normal. Mm-hmm. I do miss. I actually love being in an arena full of people. Yeah. There's nothing quite like the feeling when the show starts and the fans are screaming. So I'm looking forward to that again. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice one, man. Jim, it's been so great chatting to you today, man. I really appreciate you taking a bit of time out. Likewise, I appreciate it. It's all good, man. Um, so glad to hear that you've been busy, you know, that you've you've had some stuff, well, a lot of stuff to uh, to keep you busy over the last few months. You know, I've spoke to a lot of guys and girls who are, like I said at the beginning, who are struggling during this time with all this uncertainty. But, you know, there seems to be a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel at the moment. Um, you know, over here in the UK with the vaccine programme and stuff, you know, there's some some shows being planned for the summer, a few festivals here and there. So fingers crossed things uh, things do open up and, and return to normality soon. Yeah, I, I agree. I hope so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I feel very fortunate to have been, been busy the last couple of months. Hmm. Yeah, it's great, man. It's great. Uh, well, Jim, yeah. Uh, again, it was, it was great to chat, man. And um, all the best with everything you've got going on at the moment. Enjoy the time at home, obviously. And, yeah, absolutely, uh, we'll do. Make the most of it, and uh, hopefully we will catch up very soon. Yeah, thanks again. Thanks, man. You take care. You too. Cheers. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.